Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 175, where we reconnect with the Purple Life and hear what she's been up to since her early retirement. And I do think that having this slower introduction, more like normal life introduction to retirement has been really good. Because I think if I had done all that travel, I probably wouldn't have even had a moment to reflect on like anything. And instead, I've just been here staring at birds and thinking <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> so I feel like that's allowed me to like, oh, what's going on with my sleep? Let's optimize that. How am I feeling? Am I eating well? How, what's going on? Instead of like, let's get to the next flight. Let's travel heck the next first class seat and all that kind of stuff. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my plum co-host, Scott Trench. I love your two appropriate intros that you introduce with a plum. (laughs) Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story, because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, I guess in non-pandemic worlds, uh, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so that you can launch yourself towards your dreams. I'm super excited for today's episode. We are talking to a purple life and hearing her story of what she's been up to since early retiring in October in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it was great. We, we, we had her on on show episode 110 and she said, I'm setting up for early retirement. She told us when she was going to do it. She did it in the middle of a pandemic. And it was great to, to see her follow through and then hear about the updates from that. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. 
And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We first spoke with Purple back on episode 110, where she told us about her plans for early retirement and also casually dropped that her single mom started late and still retired early. So in her family, it's not really a novel concept. And actually, we loved her mother's story so much that we brought her on the next episode, episode 111. So if you are listening to this and want to hear a a late starter, still retired early episode, episode 111 is fabulous. Uh, We recorded Purple's episode before COVID shut down America, and Purple still retired early despite a market crash, a global pandemic, and financial uncertainty in the world. So, Purple, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you and catch up with you. I'm so happy to be back. Hello. Hello. So, for those of us listening who don't follow your blog, and they should, when did you actually pull the plug and leave work? October 1st, 2020. Ooh. And what were the circumstances surrounding your exit? Oh, boy. In the world? Everything you just <laughs> mentioned? <laughs> well, like, did you give a two-week notice? Did you give a longer notice? What did your manager say when you gave notice? All that stuff. Because I do follow your blog, and I would like to know about that bonus, too. Oh, boy. So I gave one month notice. I do have a whole blog post about it called like I quit in all caps with quotes from my boss. But if I'm remembering correctly, he was basically just super nice about it. Um, I did not actually say I was retiring. And actually, I think I also have a blog post about that. I think through blog posts, like that's how I express (laughs) what I'm trying to figure out. But anyway, I just told him, you know, with everything going on, I'm going to take some time off. And we were living in Seattle, my partner and I, and we were going to move to Georgia because that's my home state to be closer to family. So all that was true, but also I'm taking infinite time off. That was the unsaid part. (laughs) Um, But that's how I did it. And then the last month of work during it, we were living in Airbnb. So we planned to be nomads after I retired. We had an apartment in Seattle until July. And then we lived in two monthly Airbnbs in different neighborhoods in Seattle. And then after that, flew to Georgia. And I've been living here on and off since. We've taken a couple trips elsewhere, but have mostly stayed here. So that's what happened with my retirement. And the bonus part was actually a post-retirement drama that I can get into if you want. <laughs> well, well yeah, let, let's talk about let's talk about the events leading up to the weeks and months leading up to the the conversation with your boss and then the specifics of that conversation with your boss. And then I'd love to hear about this bonus. I did not do enough preparation and I'm not aware of the bonus. So I'm ex- I'm gonna be learning this for the first time here. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um I actually I have a bit of a problem live tweeting what's happening in my life. So I literally live tweeted (laughs) the day that I told my boss. So that's up there. I can send you guys a link if you want. It was mostly just like gifts of Kermit freaking out and all this other stuff. (laughs) And then I also live tweeted my last day in the office. But yeah, my boss was one of the main reasons that I stayed at my last job so long between him being awesome and it being a remote position. So I was there almost four years and my previous stints, the longest was like less than two. So it was big. And I wasn't surprised that he was supportive. What I was surprised by was that he said that I'm welcome back in any capacity at any time. 
if I ever mm. want to make some money as a freelancer, contractor, whatever. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I really like that. And I want to focus on that for a minute because you said my boss was super nice about it. I have quit jobs. I have quit jobs that I hate and I have quit jobs that I really like. And it's always nerve wracking to go into your boss because you don't know how they're going to react. You were giving a one month notice. They could have said, we hate you. Get out now. And they didn't. And they were very nice about it. And that's, you know, ultimately you have to be prepared for them to say that, you know, oh, well, you can just leave now. Okay, bye. That was one of the reasons I gave notice at that time, because when we talked a year ago, I was going to leave in September, actually. But some weird stuff was happening at my company. The people they were promoting were kind of horrible. So I'm like, this is starting to be a weird place. My boss is a partner in the company, but he's not the only one. So I was like, they might just tell me to GTFO. <laughs> and if so, I want to make sure I have all of my investments that I wanted, the cash cushion I wanted, like I'm all set in case they do, but they didn't. So uh, just for, for folks who have not listened to episode 110, could you just give a very brief overview of your financial position that gave you the confidence to have it go into this conversation? Yes. So... When we last chatted, my goal was to have half a million dollars to retire. Um, background that is just for me. I am not having kids. I have a partner, but we have completely separate finances. I am lucky that I don't have to support my parents or anyone else. Um, as Mindy mentioned, my mom retired at 55, so she's good. <laughs> um, and that was the goal. But then, you know, March happened and the market crash happened and everything else. And so I reassessed, like, should I still go for this? Because my portfolio, I'm 100% in stocks. So my portfolio was cut by, what was it, 33%? that month. But after looking over everything, I was like, nah, let's still go for this. Let's see what happens. And I had no idea that then the market would be like, yeah, we're fine. Let's go back up. I'm like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, <laughs> oh, let's just keep going. And so when I retired, I actually had not just the 500,000 period, I had 500,000 invested and 40,000 in cash. So the only thing I changed was I was originally going to have one year in cash to live off of, and then I was going to pull from my portfolio. But because I was looking at the uncertain world around us, I was like, let's have two years in cash and then hope that uh, in two years we'll have a vaccine. And luckily that timeline was even shorter than expected. But originally I think we were throwing around two years to get it not to mention distribute it. So yeah, I bumped that up, but I retired with more money than I expected. Well, that's awesome. And that's kind of one of the uh, the things that I hear from a lot of people who've retired is that, oh, well, I thought I was going to have this, but I actually had a little bit more. And uh, I love that you had cash in hand. And I love the two years. We spoke with Michael Kitsis, Scott, and he didn't mm -hmm. like a two-year cash or maybe he did like, oh man, I should have looked this up. Two before. year cash cushion is bad math, but it's good early retirement. So, yeah, uh, it's, we, don't, we, don't, we see a lot of people doing that when they move into the early retirement space, in spite of the fact that, hey, it, yeah, it's not the right way to optimize it according to the Kitses and, you know, Bill Bangins of the world. But it is, it makes you feel, it makes, it does a heck of a lot for that confidence level and feeling really good about the decision. If I remember correctly, I think he was talking about having a large percentage of like your overall portfolio in cash. But for me, it was in addition to instead of mm -hmm. like on the sidelines, not doing anything. Yep. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, and and that's what we find is most people they don't live live just in the four percent rule. Whatever their rule of thumb is, they've got the four percent rule, and then the cash, or and then the rental property, and then this other income stream, or you know, I'm going to be four percent, and then I have a pension. And, and so that you know, we find that in practice, a lot of people are more conservative, and you're it sounds like no exception to that. Yep, very conservative over here, even though everyone's calling me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that is something to think about. I have always heard that if you want to spend. Well, okay, so you you spend twenty thousand. If you want to spend forty thousand, you have a million dollars, and then you have separate finances from your partner, so you are only considering yourself. Which sounds—I didn't mean to say it like that—but like you're only. <laughs> well, if she wants to spend more, then she can go back to work. She's welcome back anytime. Mm-hmm. And I How love that, that too. <laughs> I wanted to point that out as well. Is you didn't burn bridges. If you're thinking about retiring early, don't burn the bridge. Telling your boss what you really think of them makes you feel good for one (laughs) second and they will never hire you again. And every person who calls them up, they're like, "Mm, I wouldn't hire her. If you You got that conversation coming with your boss, you should be leaving that job long before five (laughs) and working towards the, you know, grinding it out the rest of the way to five with a job you like, with the boss you like, like Purple did. Yes. But also if you are retiring from a job that you hate, don't burn the bridge. If you're quitting, the job that you hate to find another job, don't burn the bridge. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's get back to your life. So you gave your notice in September, fully prepared for them to say, leave now. They didn't say that. You made it to October. What does your last day look like? Oh boy, what did my last day look like? I'm pretty sure it was just finishing up emails, making sure everyone knew what they needed to do on my projects. And then I actually had a buy virtual lunch with my boss where I accidentally let it slip that I was retiring. So I'm very bad at stealth fire, apparently. <laughs> and really the nail in the coffin there was that he wasn't even surprised. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I should stop telling him about investing and index funds. Like I am not <laughs> flying under the radar here. So that was funny. And then he had shared with me a couple of years before that he was like five years to retirement. So he was like, cool. And I was like, yeah, are you still three years away? He's like, yeah. And I was like, let's do this. So that was awesome. Um, and then at the end of the day, I had a virtual company meeting, everyone there which was awkward, of course. They're like, oh, Purple, you're coming back, right? Like the CEO said that. I was like, ah, (laughs) sweet to say, but no, Um, (laughs) unless something wild happens. So yeah, that was my last day. And then I rode into the sunset. And you went to Georgia? Yes, currently here. You have traveled the world since then. You're... um, (laughs) I've traveled from my living room to my bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Your plans have sort of changed a little bit thanks to the pandemic. What do you spend your days doing? I had to write that down, actually, because I'm like, what? It's been four months. Like, what have I been up to? And it's been flying by and I still don't have time to do everything that I want to in a day. And I was like, how is this possible? So I have been sleeping, napping. I've gotten much better at sleeping. I used to suck at it. I have been reading like a wild woman. This year, I have a goal of reading a nonfiction book a week. And so far, I'm on track to do that. I have gotten into the retiree approved activity of bird watching, which has been fascinating. (laughs) 
I can now identify most of the birds in our yard by either hearing their calls or seeing them. I got a bird feeder for Christmas. And before I got on with y'all, I was just sitting outside watching them and a family of robins just trotted up to me. I was like, oh, I'm one of them now. <laughs> I've, I've gotten into like identifying um, trees, plants, other animals. We were taking a mini vacation the other week and a coyote came into our backyard. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And there were deer that would come in too. So I was like, the baby deer are a danger. Anyway, <laughs> nature is fascinating. <laughs> but I've been getting into astronomy, just like all these things that I was always curious about. And it was like, okay, I'm too tired or oh, I can't think about that right now. And so, yeah, that's just a little sample, but I'm busy. <laughs> But these 50 nonfiction books, one, one a week or whatever, are those mm -hmm. on these topics that you're kind of pursuing here, like astronomy and those types of things? Yes. The one I'm reading right now is called The Thing with Feathers, and it's about birds and how they can like figure everything out and see the world completely differently than we can. It's weird. Yeah, this is like one of the things that I've always like philosophized about is, I, you know, I moved towards this fire journey with the intent to do what you're doing and now find myself CEOing and bigger pockets and all that. So I don't do any of that. Um, <laughs> th those types of things, at, at least nowhere near the level you do probably. And but I, I think it's interesting because you're now going to absorb a tremendous amount of information on a variety of these subjects. And that I think is really cool because you're going to quickly become an expert, maybe, maybe top one percent or even better at these types of things accidentally and it's just very interesting to see where that will lead and how that will benefit people in one way downstream which i think is like the cool thing about phi because you're creating like your story repeated across hundreds or thousands or millions of people you're going to create this weird world of crazy experts and all these subjects that wouldn't otherwise go explored in the same way so anyways that's just me going off on a little tangent but I think it's an interesting concept to take to its logical extreme. Yeah, we'll see. Some people have suggested I join like an Audubon bird society nearby. I was like, okay, everyone calm down. You know, I just <laughs> want to sit here and look at my birds. I don't need to like, yeah. I don't know, virtually volunteer to take people on bird hikes or whatever it is it's called. <laughs> bird identification yeah. trips. Or my partner, he has gotten more into running lately. And so when we get into something, we like read all the books about it. And he was talking about how someone was running across like the entire U.S. or something like that. And he's like, and you can come. <laughs> That's a real person. <laughs> and he was like, you can come with me because look, this book is about a guy who wanted to Didn't see every type of in bird. Georgia too? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Alabama. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he was... Um, going across the U.S. to see all the birds. So he's like, you can do that while I run across the country. And I was like, once again, can we calm down for a second? <laughs> I just, I just want to read a book. I don't want to like go on an adventure right now. Well, once you start traveling, I don't know if the Audubon Society is just U.S. based or if it's like across the globe, but there are different birds everywhere. So yeah. that would be really cool to, oh, I got Georgia. Now I got to go someplace. Robins are everywhere. Like, I think mm -hmm. they circle the globe. They're probably in Antarctica, yeah. but probably. And cardinals, too. Cardinals are mm -hmm. every place I've ever been. So it's fun to see what's there. What's Oh, I, I recognize that sound. And then like also, ooh, there's a new bird. What does that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been tagging them on my Audubon app like Pokemon. I got to catch them all. Like when I went to <laughs> Connecticut, I discovered that the chickadees I saw there look almost identical to the ones in Georgia, but they're different species. They're uh I'm forgetting the name, but here they're Carolina chickadees and other oh, black capped chickadees in the north and they don't migrate. 
Who knew? <laughs> Boy, if I was a bird, I would be south. <laughs> Always. So, so, do you think about money at all anymore? Or is that kind of like a... Oh boy. Yeah. How's that working for <laughs> That's you? That's a good question. I am waiting to worry about money. It hasn't happened yet. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One, I discovered in 2020 that not going anywhere, seeing people or doing things doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, I ended the year <laughs> spending less than $16,000 total for myself, which is way lower than my retirement goal of 20,000. Also, I am a retirement failure. The IRP is coming after me because I made a whole 2K last year in my own endeavors. So, you know, it's over. So you can reach Purple Life and tell her all about her terribleness at (laughs) apurplelife.com. So yeah, also obviously the market has been doing ridiculous things despite what's happening in the world. So as of, I think yesterday, I have 630 plus thousand dollars. Oh, and then still have almost two years of that cash cushion because I spent so little last year. We've been booking our travel after we leave Georgia in a couple of months. And so I have like four months of Airbnbs on my credit card. I'm just throwing thousands left and right. And I'm like, whatever. So yeah, (laughs) I haven't worried about it yet. I'm waiting to. I assume I will at some point. Mr. Money Mustache has a good article on this. Uh, I I forget the name of it. I'm, I'm pulling it up out from years ago, but he kind of described this, the situation that you're kind of in is, Hey, it's like money is like water. It's very, very important. And you spend all day gathering it. If it's, if it's difficult to to access, but then once you have enough, you just turn on the faucet and get some, and it's kind of boring. You don't really think about it, you know, and, and whatever. And it sounds like you're at in that kind of like world with money right now, where you've got like a nice big pool of it. If you need more, you just turn on the, the, the tap a little bit get a little bit more out of your net worth and then move on. Yeah. I haven't been thinking about it. Even besides the Airbnbs, like I've been ordering way more takeout and obviously tipping even more generously than usual and giving more and all these things that I was like, I used to look at my budget, but now I'm just like, it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's look at your money and where it's sitting. Are you invested? You said you're 100% in stocks. Are you 100% in index funds? Is it pre-tax, post-tax, a mix of both? Where's your money at? All my money is straight up in index funds, Vanguard, Total Stock Market, Index Fund, VTSAX. It's about half in taxable and half in tax advantage accounts. Now that you don't have any income, are you doing any sort of Roth conversion ladder? That is my plan for this year, since last year I still had an income, but we'll see how much extra money I make, and that will determine how much I can convert. (laughs) So we'll see about that. Okay, because that I think is very interesting. I am planning, I'm actually really hoping that my employer will start offering a deferred compensation plan so I can start converting, and then I can avoid some of these taxes. And I'm looking way down the road at RMDs mm-hmm. and I don't want, I, it's like the best problem to have. It sounds even stupid saying it, but right now I have this much and you can reasonably assume that if you continue in this index fund thing, then you can you know, double your money every seven or eight years. So if it doubles and doubles and doubles and doubles and doubles, by the time I have to do RMDs, I might be looking at some significant RMDs. Again, great problem to have. Oh, poor you. But if I can 
avoid that. I would rather. So the conversion is something I have to look into. Maybe we'll get somebody on the show who can talk about the concept of converting and things to think about down the road. Because anyway, sorry, that derailed the conversation. <laughs> no, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great point. And I think that it's a, uh, I mean, you, you, even though you have what I think a lot of people would call lean fi, it seemed, it's clearly a big surplus for you though, with the circumstances that you have right now, you still are probably overburdened in your tax advantaged accounts relative, you know, relative to when you'll need to w- w- draw them down. And so that, like, I'm sure that that is a concept, but I also feel like you have so many hedges against that, that in practice, that will never become a problem because you will internet retirement police accidentally make money over the next couple of years. And you've got that to your cash cushion and the taxable accounts probably will outperform what your conservative estimates are. But have you thought about that or what is your strategy around those? Yeah. So I've thought about it and my plan was to live off of my taxable accounts. Once I retired, I changed my taxable dividends from being reinvested to being deposited in my checking account, which was another weird thing. It's like, where'd all this money come from? I'm not working. That's weird. And then I'm planning after my cash cushion runs out to withdraw annually. And I've projected out how long that would take me to draw it all down. I think it was, even if the market doesn't do wildly good, like 15 years. And so regardless, I will start converting and using a Roth IRA conversion ladder. Even if I have to pay a little taxes, woe is me once again, (laughs) just so I can then start to pull from the Roth as well down the line. And that's in a no income environment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That won't happen, even though yeah, that's your plan. <laughs> well, I mean, no income. The $2,000 just kicked yeah. me out of retirement. Don't you know? <laughs> well, and that's, what is that? One eighth of your spending? That's not small potatoes. True. I mean, that's, that's more than a month of your spending. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund 
for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. We briefly touched on the bonus, but we didn't actually discuss the bonus. Oh, yeah, we got So you had said that you discovered after you left your company that you were entitled to a bonus or had earned a bonus in some way, but you weren't sure how much of it would actually show up. So let's talk about that because that's something to think about. Just because you don't work there anymore. Like, Scott, how does that work as a CEO? If I don't work there anymore, but I earned a bonus... Do I get it? Usually, the bonus, the, the rules of that are baked into your. They're they're communicated in advance. Like for example, we pay out the bonus at the end of January, or the annual bonus at the end of January in the calendar year, and so you must be employed at the time that the bonus is paid out in order to receive the bonus. In practical sense, like maybe if someone's like leaving like a day or two before or after, like or, or a very short period of time after that, that that can be worked out. But in general that you have to be employed through that bonus unless your employer has a different relationship or whatever. If the employer is sitting there like, hmm, we really want you to come back when you, if, if there's a odd chance that you get bored in your early retirement, maybe they're going to have a different math on that, but I don't know. Okay. So purple, how did your math work? 
So my old job, about $15,000 of my salary, and I was making almost one fifteen when I left, it's tied up in quarterly bonuses that they give out. And 10K of it is guaranteed, and the 5K is based on performance, or so they say, which I'll get into that. Um, one of the reasons that... Well, I had two reasons why I changed my quit date to October 1st instead of September, like I originally planned. One was so I would get the bonus that is for Q3 um, because I would have worked through all of it. And then the other reason was so that I would have health insurance through all of October, even though I only worked one day. So I expected that bonus because I have read all of the HR materials that they've ever given us. And it does not mention anywhere that you have to be employed where they, when they pay it out. I saw that I only got my regular paycheck after I'd left. And so I reached out to our accounting department. It was like, hey, didn't get my bonus. What's going on? And then they responded saying, oh, well, you have to be employed, not even when we pay out the bonus necessarily, but when we talk about paying out the bonus, which is not a date that is shared with us at all. And I was like, well, that's weird and doesn't sound right. So, hmm. And we were going back and forth about it. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to my boss. I was like, hey, this is what's happening. This is weird. Um, it doesn't say that anywhere. So can you let me know what's up? And apparently he went to bat for me. And after a lot, a lot more back and forth, I got my bonus. And I walked away. But then I was also discussing on Twitter with people like, is this normal? What's going on? And I did hear a lot of rules like that, but that they actually have to be laid out. And if they're not, um, a few lawyers on Twitter were like, you can sue them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think if the company doesn't lay them out specifically like that, you're you're looking at a a murky ground there where you might win, you might lose, it might be messy, whatever. So I don't think, I'm, I think it's great that your manager went to bat for you. I just think it, you know, that's not a good plan for someone following that in that direction. I would, you know, I, I, I think you ha you're, you're leaving a lot up to chance there. Sure. You might have been able to sue them, but that might've cost you more in time and energy than the bonus was worth at the end of the day. And so just be, maybe I just yeah. didn't even know it was an option. <laughs> If, well, I, if it's not in writing and your company is not doing that, maybe ask for it in writing from somebody. Like, when will it be paid out? What are the rules governing that if, if you're doing that? Because maybe, you know, small company, you're not having some of those things fully baked out there. If it's a large company, you know, maybe you don't, hopefully they'll have, a, they'll have that, those systems in place. Well, that's why we bring Purple back to talk about these things because I would not have known about that. And I didn't even really remember that we get bonuses in the end of January because I'm not leaving and they won't ever fire me because I'm perfect. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't read those things, but that is a really important thing to think about. And you might not know that if you're not aware of that. So if you are thinking about retiring and your bonus is connected to a certain time frame. Make sure you stay past the time frame. Also, I wanted to point out your health insurance tip because you you just casually mentioned these things, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! By having employment on October 1st, you now have insurance through the end of October. Why leave on September 30th and instantly start paying boatloads of money for insurance when you can leave on October 1st one more day and then you have the insurance for one more month? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good ROI. What, what are you doing for health insurance now? Oh, boy. So, <laughs> original plan 
like Mandy mentioned, I was going to be jet setting around the world. So I was going to get expat insurance through IMG Global, which is awesome. It covers preventative care. It's relatively cheap. They have lots of different plans depending on how much you want them to cover, the countries you want them to cover. And I was going to say, cover the whole world, which I mean, everywhere but America basically has a lot um, is less expensive healthcare wise and usually has better outcomes. So great. And since I was going to be outside of the US, it's relatively inexpensive for me to pay for the global plan. However, it requires that you're outside the US for six months of the year, which no one will let me leave or wants me in their country, understandably. So <laughs> I needed a new plan. And my current stopgap plan is actually World Nomads Travel Insurance because it does cover health as well as like trip cancellations. Not that I'm going on trips, but all of that stuff. But it has a little weird caveat that you also need to have primary state insurance, which I'm a resident of Washington, even though I'm currently living in Georgia. So I have Washington state insurance, which I can't use because I'm across state lines, but that was a requirement to get World Nomad. So that's what I'm doing for now. And then once it's safe to travel, I'm out of here. Expat insurance all the way. So I'm hearing two things. One is that this is going to vary so dramatically of what, what the right healthcare choice is based on your personal situation. And like when you're nearing the point of moving into Phi, you need to do a lot, a tremendous amount of research and dive down the rabbit hole and really understand it. And we don't have a good, we've tried to, we've tried to, to tackle this, this subject on, on a prior podcast and there is no one right answer. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. understanding this language and all the acronyms you just dropped um, for... <laughs> whatever your situation is um, with health insurance. And then secondly, how ridiculous, my dad doesn't like when I use the word ridiculous too often, but I'm using it here. How ridiculous is it that if you are a a single person with no kids or or a, a couple with no kids, that it is probably just way better and way cheaper and way easier to be fi traveling the world, a country at a time, three months, four months in a row, you know, and getting this international insurance <laughs> that it is to live in the US and get and cover mm-hmm. your healthcare costs. That's just the reality of it. So after COVID, that's the move, it seems, for a lot of folks. Yeah. And it is ridiculous. So I back you up on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what I got out of your comment is the original plan was this. I have not come across too many people who had their original plan and that's exactly how life worked out like for anything but especially for early retirement and i just want to highlight that again and say be fluid in your expectations because it will be a lot different than what you felt like it was so my husband is retired retired and <laughs> he works on the house all day and his expectations of what retirement were going to be was going to be is a bit different than the reality What's the biggest change that, I mean, besides COVID, that kind of doesn't count, but what's like the biggest, oh, I thought it was going to be this, but it was actually that. Or does COVID just throw a big monkey wrench in your plans completely? Yeah, I think it really was COVID specific because I had four months of international travel plan, like fully booked out. It was, oof, it was a mess to get that money and credits and all that stuff back. But yeah, I was going to 
fly out of Seattle, head to the Great Barrier Reef, hang around Australia for a month and New Zealand for a month. Then I was going to fly to Argentina for a month. Right now, I was supposed to be in Thailand, chilling on a beach. So obviously none of that's happened. <laughs> but I, yeah, I plan to have a jet setting retirement where I'm going between higher cost of living and lower cost of living places with beaches being my constant. Um, and instead I'm living in a tiny house in Georgia. So <laughs> not at all <laughs> as planned, but I'm trying to find all the silver linings. And I do think that having this slower introduction more like normal life introduction to retirement has been really good. As I think if I had done all that travel, I probably wouldn't have even had a moment to reflect on like anything. And instead I've just been here staring at birds and thinking <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> so I feel like that's allowed me to like, oh, what's going on with my sleep? Let's optimize that. How am I feeling? Am I eating well? How, what's going on? Instead of like, let's get to the next flight. Let's travel heck the next first class seat and all that kind of stuff. You said that your sleeping is better. And I've, uh, who was it? Stopped ironing shirts, I think also said that his sleep was much better after he retired. And I'm a little jealous. My sleep is terrible, but I've, I've always had terrible sleep. I want to ask about your partner and your relationship after you have left, because he still works, right? Yep. Okay. So that was the same with my relationship. He retired and I still work and it, our relationship changed a little bit. And now he's got time to look at around the house. He's like, why is it such a mess? I'm like, you know what? You don't have a job. I got two <laughs> kids and a job. Like, Pick stuff up. They ruin everything. So how has your relationship changed or has it changed at all since he still works, but you don't? So hilariously, it has not changed, but that's because he took almost all of 2019 off. So we were in the reverse situation and he was trying to like chill and not look for a job for most of that. So we had the experience of one of us not working. Also, previously, I've had bouts of fun employment after I quit or was laid off or whatever happened with all my many jobs. So we've been in that situation before. So it wasn't that weird. What is weird is that one of the reasons we moved to Georgia, I mentioned it to be near family. And so we're actually living um, on the land of his one of his brothers and that's been interesting because we have kind of like a commune situation going like, meet me by the bonfire. Let's hang out. <laughs> so that's been different just to be like, OK, I want to make sure I'm pulling my weight in the commune. And like, how do I do this if they're cooking for me? And uh, so I'll make sure I do the dishes or whatever. It's so just making sure that like, yeah, I am sitting in the backyard watching birds all day while y'all are working. But I want to make sure that this is fair. <laughs> so that's been the adjustment instead of with my partner necessarily. Okay. Do you have any plans to go back to work? Do you miss it? Do you? <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I'm open to going back to work because obviously retiring at 30 is, you know, a risk. I don't know what the future brings. I didn't know what 2020 would bring, obviously. Um, so if I need to, I'll totally make some money. That's fine. But no, I do not miss it at all. Okay, so let's talk about those dividends that you casually mentioned are no longer being reinvested, but are instead going into your checkbook. What sort of funds are we talking about? Like, do you have a dollar fifty that's coming back, or do you have like fifty thousand dollars coming back? What is this? 
So in December, when quarterly dividends were paid out, I got about $2,000 in my checking account that just was plopped in there. Um, so I'm only taking out, like I mentioned, taxable dividends, obviously. But yeah, that's a good chunk of change that should be coming at me quarterly. Okay. Well, hey, in your financial situation, that is a good chunk of change. I mean, that's what, two thirds of, or no, half, because you're doing 20000 So that's that's 50% of your retirement is funded automatically. So you really only have to take, so now your $40,000 is four years instead mm-hmm. of two. Yeah. We'll see how long it lasts, especially if I keep making money. And then obviously I don't assume that dividends will stay where they are either. They could get cut a little bit or all by like the bigger tech companies as they are want to do. But yeah, it's going pretty well so far. <laughs> and when do you have your first trip planned? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, domestically. I should laugh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we are leaving Georgia um, at the end of April, but that's just to go north to Maine. So yeah, I after canceling all those months of travel, uh, I'm I still have whiplash from it. So I'm not booking anything internationally until we have approval to go somewhere. <laughs> and I'm assuming that you're like like me, last on the list to get the vaccine. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Okay. So are you driving up to Maine, like meandering up there? (laughs) So funny. I mentioned I went up to Connecticut and saw those chickadees. I drove up with my mom in one day. And then on the way back, I actually took a sleeper car by myself, which was really interesting. Did you sleep in that sleeper car? I did. Oh, mine had square wheels. Oh, no. (laughs) No, I liked it. The little rocking back and forth. It was comfy. So then I was like, okay, maybe we should do the same thing to go up there. Like, what's the safest way to do this? Blah, blah, blah. I was thinking of us getting a sleeper car and then maybe renting a car to get all the way up. And then I weighed it with like flights, basically, because that would take over a day to do like full day of travel. And it was looking like it was going to cost like a thousand bucks. And so I was looking at the risks associated with plane travel. And I actually wasn't worried based on what experts are saying about the possibility of getting COVID on the plane. It was more the Atlanta airport because it's the busiest airport in the world. And when I went there in September, I was not impressed by what I saw, (laughs) as in there were way too many people, no room to social distance, and mask wearing was bad. So um, that was my concern, waiting around in the airport. But we talked about it. This is basically is the end of April. So it's May. I was like, okay, if we keep going to vaccines at this level, and now that we have a federal mandate to actually require masks and building federal buildings like airports, I think I feel more comfortable. So yeah, we're biting the bullet. We're flying. Maine requires that when you get there, you get a test immediately and quarantine until you get the results. So we're doing all of that. And that's our approach. Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. You said it was going to be a day's travel. I'm like, what else do you have to do? This is your slow (laughs) life now. You don't have to go, go, go. But you lost me at $1,000 because that is a lot of money to go from Georgia to Maine. Yeah. Um, And the flight is like 200 each. So yeah. And it's two hours versus 24 hours of travel. Yeah. That's, I went on a train 36 hour train ride and it was, it ended up being like a 40 hour train ride because 
the commuter rails are on the freight train tracks and the freight trains have precedence. So Purple, your retirement kind of mirrors my husband's retirement in that he gave his notice, he quit his job, and then two weeks later, he got wind from his former coworkers that the entire project had been canceled. And so he left on his own terms, and I'm really glad he left and then it was canceled as opposed to the other way around. Uh, anything happening at your old company? Well, of course. <laughs> so I left October 1st and I still have friends at the company. We talk like every other week at least. And I was having one of our regular video chats and she mentioned to me that our company was actually no more. It had been acquired by a much larger in my opinion, sketchier company. And all the employees were told this on January 6th of all days, which if there's a day to like postpone a meeting, I'm going to say that's it. Oh yeah. That was the day. It was. So not just like the country up in arms, but, oh, you might not have a job as well. Good luck. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I was freaking out because there was no indication of that at all. Like I know that they're not allowed to tell us specifically for like insider trading reasons and whatever else. But uh, more and more kept coming out like, oh, we were asking very normal questions like, is our bonus structure the same? Because that's like 10% of most people's salaries. Are the PTO days that we were told we could roll over still accurate now that we're part of a different company suddenly? And they were like, I don't know, we'll look into it. So they had apparently been negotiating about this for a year and still didn't have the basic questions answered. I continued talking to my friends and then actually more ridiculous things came out, such as that the founder apparently sold the company without telling the other partners, including my boss. So they were also surprised and shocked by this uh, news which was good because I was literally going to call my boss and yell at him. <laughs> so knowing that he was not aware of that was good. But also I was just like, oh my gosh, so not just all my friends, the employees, but actual partners in this company are now like this company doesn't exist. You can go work for this other company and that's it. So yeah, my wonderful little place that I built with all my, my great boss and my remote work and all that stuff is no more. This is why you, when you hear people like, oh, I love my job. I'll never fight. Like, come on. It, like, things can change in five years. You should be working toward, like my, my opinion, is that you should be working towards FI no matter how great your current circumstances are because circumstances change over time and, and, and this kind of stuff happens. It's not your company. It's the founder's company. And the founder had every right to do that and, and sell the company. And that can flip, flip a switch everything can change for you and your colleagues with that. And so I think that that's a hundred, like a great lesson learned. Yeah. I, if my question sounded just a teeny bit leading, it's because Purple wrote an article last week that said, why pursue financial independence? Because nothing lasts forever and talked about this big change at the company. And I, my sister's a teacher. She worked for a principal that she loved. Fabulous leader, wonderful, backed her up, blah, blah, blah. He retired, somebody else came in, and they don't have the same relationship. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And she called me up and said, now I get it. Now I understand all of those terrible jobs you had and you were complaining about your boss. And now I understand why you don't spend every dime that comes in. Because she's 
she's a teacher and she's got a great pension, but she, you know, she's got money saved for retirement, but she doesn't have a ton because she's a teacher and they don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever for sure. And this was the best company I've ever worked for. So like I could have just been like, yeah, so I'm going to keep working here and it's going to be great. But not knowing four months after I could have pulled the trigger if I hadn't, then I might have been out of a job anyway. And they still don't know like who's getting laid off or who has to now work under this new company, which is not out of Seattle like we were, but out of Boston and like, who knows what's going on? Yeah, that is really scary. So there you go. Why pursue financial independence? Because nothing lasts forever. If you spend all you earn and if and your colleagues who spent all they earn and don't have the buffers or the, the, the financial flexibility you do, they're completely at the mercy of those decisions and not their bosses, but the, the, the acquirers, right? In mm-hmm. terms of how that's going to play out. And so they're either going to have to figure out a new employment situation or take it. And that's what we need to like work for in terms of your, by you sharing your story and us doing this money show every week, hopefully we're able to put more and more people in a position where, no, they've got the control of the situation the way that you do. Exactly. Purple, thank you so much for making time out of your busy nap schedule and bird <laughs> listening schedule and bird watching <laughs> schedule to come in and catch us up on what's going on because it's, I think it's really helpful. There's not a lot of people who are post early retirement who then come back and talk about it. It's mostly just people who are like, yeah, I'm working on it. But the reality can be very different than what you were thinking about. I mean, clearly for you with circumstances outside of your control, but being prepared is the best. What is it? A great offense is the best defense. Did I mess that up? <laughs> a good defense is the best offense. Which way is, I don't know. Clearly I'm I a sports drew. person. <laughs> <laughs> But I do thank you so much for coming back on today because this was a lot of fun. I think it is very important to share with people what's what actually happens in real life instead of just yeah. like the real world. This is when people stop being polite and start being real. <laughs> this is when people so stop true. hoping for what's going to happen and start being real about what's actually happening. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, go enjoy your beautiful Georgia day. Do you have a beautiful Georgia day today? I do. I'm going to go watch some more birds. <laughs> watch the birds. Send me some pictures of these cap chickadees. Okay. Thanks for awesome. having me. Y'all. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for, for coming back. back. Of course. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> okay. That was a purple life. That was fun to catch up with her. I'm super excited for her and hopefully her Travel plans will come to fruition soon. Scott, what did you think of the show? I think it's just great to hear a story. I mean, like I guess mentioned in the intro, she had a plan. She told us she was going to do the plan. She did it. Like this is this is a real thing that people are doing right now all over the world, all over the country. Uh, and I think it's accelerating. You know, there's still a relatively small number of people who have achieved this, um, especially at early in life. But it's growing and it's possible and it's more and more accessible, I think. And it's just funny because it seems like it's almost relatively, not relatively easy. It's, it's too easy. It's too strong as an adjective, but achievable with a full-time job. But then all these things come into play that make the world travel a more viable option, I think was an interesting thing with like the health insurance. It's just easier to travel the world and self-finance retirement in some cases than it is to sit in one place. So I think it's kind of interesting to hear that. And it was great to catch up with Purple. I really liked, and we didn't talk about this during the episode, but I liked how she thought she needed 500 and now she's got 630 as of yesterday. And what I have seen in 
my own experiences and other people that I talk to is you think you're going to retire with this money and then you have a couple of years of cash, you have a year of cash, and then at the end of the year of cash, you still have more money. You don't need to dip into the cash or you don't need to dip in as much to your savings or your savings has grown so much that you have more than you need. And it just seems that, of course, past performance is not indicative of future gain, but it just seems that keeping your money in index funds is a smart, solid way to continue to pursue financial independence. And it's just, I haven't heard anybody yet that said, you know what? I retired. I had my money in my account and I ran out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really aggressive approach. It's, it's what I do with all of my, I mean, I have real estate stocks and then, you know, a a couple of other interests, but my stocks are almost all in index funds. It is a really aggressive asset allocation. And in my experience, in my investing career, I have not experienced a prolonged investment crash. You know, I, I started investing after the 2008 recession. So I'm, you know, I get it um, that there's, that there's some experiences that I haven't had with that, but it does seem like a good long-term play. I do want to point out though, that for discussion purposes, that she was second guessing some things in the, in the early part of the pandemic for a second there. And I'd be interested to see if the math would have changed if the market had stayed down for several months, rather than kind of giving that quick V-shaped recovery within a few weeks of the the sharp drop right after the pandemic, which by the way, Mindy, I think you called it exactly uh, in jest that drop. Is that I right? Did. You said, what, what, what was did. that episode? You said- I you believe said, it was what? episode 70 with Jay Scott. I called it, I missed it by one day, but also there was a leap year that year. So I was pretty spot on if we didn't have leap year. I called that the market would crash on March 14th and it actually did it on the 13th. Um, oh darn! Yeah, so uh, yeah, but you're like it could crash a tremendous amount on Monday or whatever, and then it, <laughs> then it crashes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. Go back and listen to episode seventy if you want to hear Mindy's, um, you know, profit. What's prophetic? What's perfect prediction, prophetic almost perfect proficient prediction. Call. Also, it's just a really yeah. good episode. Jay Scott is wonderful. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 175 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench. I am Mindy Jensen saying, see you later, aggregator. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.